don't make it matter. Got good things, got you. Hoops and everything. Get back, never get back too soon. Are you lonely? Are you there when I'm not in the room? Are you only only a part of this when you choose? Hello and welcome back to the Point of Difference podcast. I am your host and coach of the Terrace Crew, Matt Ricks. We've got a monster show for you tonight. One week away from Team List Tuesday, we cannot wait. Uh, we had a huge round of trials on the weekend. We'll try to dissect a little bit of that as well, going through the front row forward and second row forward. It was a huge day in Supercoach Land today, Tuesday, February twenty first. 12 extra players received dual position status and some who we'll talk about tonight are very, very relevant for the start of the season. Before we kick off, we'll just get into uh, the group prize. So please go in and jump on to the Pod Pod Unlimited group. It's called the Pod Pod Chairman's uh, code for that is 890189. Repeat, 890189, uh, major prize of... Uh, day at the Chairman's Lounge at Ramwick and a round of golf at the Lakes. Um, and we cannot wait for that. We've got that coming up for our 2022 winner, Jared, uh, in a couple of weeks' time. I've booked my flights today up to Sydney. Um, absolutely pumped. Going to go to the Sharks Storm, uh, Sharks, Sharks South game round one. Um, it's going to be a great weekend. Cannot wait to get up there. Joining me tonight, I've uh, got a couple of pod regulars on. Uh, from all the way up there in Canberra, it's a big welcome to Coach of the Big Dogs, Jono. Jono, welcome back to the Pod Pod. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I think it's going to be a good one tonight. I think probably the positions that have the most variance in Super Coach teams coming into the the new year. So yeah, pumped to talk about it. Yeah, the um, second row in particular looks really, really, um, really, really interesting this year. So um, there's a lot of cheap options, a lot of mid range options, and it's um, but there could be some some differential plays in terms of going premium as well. Our second guest tonight, uh, all the way over from London, uh, early in the morning over there. Big welcome back to coach of the Casabonitas and second place, uh, th- second third place 2014 finisher, Danny Boy Ricks. Danny, welcome back to the Pod Pod. Yeah, thanks, Maddie. Uh, good to be here. Uh, not uh, not too much time for uh, pleasant pleasantries tonight. I'm uh, I'm keen to just focus on the uh, the big positions we got. Second row forward looks very very juicy. Uh, front row forward, lots of uh, lots of options and lots of uh, strategy that you can do around there. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Yep, agree. Let's dive straight on in. Uh, so front row forward, second row forward. Um, Jono, you mentioned earlier, like that we spent. There's a lot to there's a lot to delve into here. There's a lot of strategy at play. Um, Mid ranges, cheapies, particularly in second row forward. We're going to kick off though with front row forward, um, and let's start with the premium options. So, uh, top of the pops is Joey Tarpany, who is six hundred ninety nine thousand dollars, roughly or thereabouts, and he just got added as a second row front row dual player today. Um, Dan, I'll start with you. Joey Taps, does that dual position uh, alter your thinking about alter your thinking um, in terms of starting with him in your side? I, I think it does. The dual is very, very handy, particularly if you've got another uh, either premium dual in the second row forward uh, to pair him with, or even some of the cheapies that are that have got that dual position. He's, he's going to be a great option to kind of float around the two, and particularly with the buys this year, you're going to need cover in both those positions. So. 
if you've got a front row forward or a second row forward on the buy and you can flip him to kind of put in your starting side so you're not stuck with a stuck with a cheapie as your second front row forward or your third second row forward. So, you know, look, I think he's he's a proven gun now. Uh, Ricky would just be absolutely it would be horrific if he doesn't give him the minutes that he that he deserves and that he that Canberra need for him to have a uh, good season. So yeah, he's a he's a great option. Yeah, I think there are a few clear positives with Joey. He's coming off um, his biggest season ever, ever averaging sixty six point five last year. Um, he's not going to play Origin, so he's got that over Haas and Tino, who are the other kind of popular, and Ruben Cotter, who are the other popular premium picks. He's got Jewel. He's starting to tick a lot of boxes. The negative for him is he's never had that many minutes to start the season, Jono, and um, that's got to be something that is concerning, I would have thought, if um, Ricky's kind of playing the long game with Joey Tarpany. I don't know. I haven't really considered that that was going to be an issue, to be honest. It just felt like it, he's never really earned Ricky's full trust before, and I think he yep. finally did last year. So I'm not too, too concerned about the starting of the year. And I think he's he looks like he's maybe got that starting lock role now. And with Adam Elliott out of the team, I actually think I, I don't see those minutes reducing. I think he's pretty good for fifty five plus. He certainly had that stretch during the middle part of the year where he was he was banging out anywhere between fifty five and sixty seven minutes. If you knew he was locked in for that, I think I'd I'd be happy to lock him in. But um, I'm on the fence. I'm I'm weighing up Payne Haas and Tarpany as my as my starting. I think I have. I think Haas is priced better, but the 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 positives that I mentioned there around taps, I think, um, could could sway that balance. And then depending on cash, where we go, um, I did miss uh, to start. Tino is actually the the highest um, the highest priced front row forward. Tino he's seven hundred four thousand dual front row second row. Dan he's not someone that I've considered to start with. I think that it was actually surprising that he ended up been the highest averaging front row forward last year. Have you considered him at all yet? No, I actually started with him last year. I think um, I think I wasn't going to start with him. There was a, a there was a very late out round one uh, end of last year. I think Pangai perhaps. Um, so I ended up starting with Tino, and he was he was quite flat for early on in the season, um, and then and then he went absolutely berserk. So um, he, he his minutes are going to be good. He's the he's the leader of the the Titans pack, he's, uh, you know, he's going to base well if he's on the field. So I, I just think at that price, he's not, uh, he's not going to get that many tries. He's, he's probably overpriced at the moment, and I haven't, I haven't had him in my side uh, early on uh, so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, too expensive to start. I think he's heavily dependent on offloads to be able to hit that average, um, and then he's also got Origin challenges um, midway through the year, Jono. Just one argument for Tino. I think he's one of only a couple of front rowers who it could get away from you. Like he is someone who can put on a big score and I don't think many front rowers have that kind of ceiling. He did go over 100 plus a couple of times last year. So I'm, I'm with you guys. I won't start with him, but he is the kind of front rower, him and probably Tuppany, that I could see not having them could hurt if they go on a big run. From a st- strategy perspective, Jono, does not starting with origin players, so guys like Tino or Harry Grant at hooker, do you worry about not being able to bring them in um, before Origin, given that it's going to be very difficult to bring them in over Origin when the buy periods start? They might get rested. Is that a consideration when you're starting with um, your starting team? Because 
it's if you if these are players that you want to target, it can be difficult to pick the right week to bring them in before that origin period. Yeah, I think it's definitely a consideration. I'm going through that with Harry Grant. I know it's not the hooker podcast, but I'm not going to start with him. And that is then me looking at maybe not getting him in until around 17, 18, 19. But yeah, it's a scary thought potentially. Yeah, that actually hadn't like factored in for me that much and it's just something that popped into my head today. Um, and look, I think a front rower can hurt you less, but obviously not owning Harry until round 18 could be quite troublesome. Um, yeah, so we're going to have to give that a bit more consideration. Uh, the next of the premium guys that I think we need to talk about is uh, Payne Haas, Dan. 662K, um, he's coming off a season last year averaging just a tick under 63. Um, season before that, he was a tick under 68, and 2020 he averaged 75. So he's on a fairly um, steep trajectory down. Now, can he turn that around um, and get back to sort of that some of that 2020 form? Well, he definitely last year got off to a very, very hot start. Uh, I remember not starting with him and I was very jealous. Uh, his, his work output was huge. He was, he was up around the sort of 1.2 uh, base points per minute. And for the first six rounds, he didn't go under 67. Had some big scores, 91, 83. So he's, he's a fast starter. It's just uh, is he going to, with, with the likes of some young gun forwards coming through that Broncos pack, uh, in particular Paddy Boy Carrigan, uh, I think we'll talk about him a bit later. Does do some of those guys like hit, uh, Carrigan, Flegler start to take a few minutes off him? Uh, I mean, if I was if I was coaching the Broncos, I probably wouldn't be just playing him for that seventy minutes. I think save him a little bit. Uh, he's got a big origin period, you know, and and he he did have those little injury niggles that was keeping him from playing big minutes later on in the season last year. So I think if I was Kevy, I'd probably reduce those minutes a little bit. Uh, give the young boys a bit of a go. So that would be my only concern with him. Uh, but I think he's still going to average quite easily that 65 uh, and it could be better. Just on his minutes, he averaged um, 62 minutes last year. The season before was 60 and he had a couple injury hit games, um, I'm pretty sure, in both those seasons. In um, Certainly in 2021, um, not, not necessarily as much in 2022. Sorry. Um, but in 2020, he averaged 72 minutes per game. Um, now, just checking notes here, I'm pretty sure that was the year that Seabold was the coach, 2020. Um, so, yeah, correct, 2019, 2020. So I think he was very much playing for his <laughs> for his life. So he played Payne those extra big minutes. I think we can probably um, expect Payne to be playing that 60 to 65 minute again. And... Like you said, Dan, he started really fast last year, then he hurt his shoulders, and that's when his output really started to drop. So if we can stay on the field, I think he's well-priced as a as a premium front row. I think he'll be the number one front rower in the first eight weeks um, if he can stay on the park, and I'm I'm really keen to start with him. Joey Taps getting the duel and just kind of some of that other positives we spoke about is swaying me a little bit towards him, but I'm, I'm really keen on Payne Haas to start the year um, in the front row forward position. Uh, Jono, uh, let's get on to you now. And here's a guy who had a bit of a breakout year last year from both a rugby league and a super coach perspective. It's Ruben Cotter, uh, very, very popular um, premium front rower to start the year. Um, he is twenty, currently 23% owned in the game, um, which is the most out of any of these. Uh, Joey Tarps is catching up, but he's still the, the highest. Um, can he, two questions, Jono, can he repeat it this year? 
And uh, second question is, are you considering him to start? Uh, I think, yes, he can repeat. And I, I don't think I can consider him. I think looking at his numbers today, so from rounds three to 12, he averaged 64.6 playing 61 minutes a game. And then he got hurt. I can't remember what the injury was, to be honest. Was it a, was it a hammy? He did his hammy in the warm-up against Manly. Okay. Um, yeah. And then round 20 to 25 when he came back, he averaged 50.3 in 51 minutes. So 10, minute, 10 less minutes in that period, 14 less points in, in Supercoach. It just kind of comes down to whether he's going to get the big minutes. And they have so many good forwards that I don't feel confident that he's going to be banging out 61 minutes a game. So – He's a wait and see for me. He only scored one try last year, but I don't think he's – I don't really think he's a try scorer. So I wouldn't be banking on that for upside. He's got a few like line breaks and stuff, stats in him, but he's still – I don't think he's going to be prolific. I just don't see the upside with him. Um, I think he won't He won't have the same output as Haas, and I think he doesn't have tarp in his upside. So I'm looking past him to start the season. Uh, Dan, anything from you to add on Cotter? No, I think it's just what you see is what you get. Um, I think he's he's going to average in those minutes around 55 to 60. I can't see him going up a bit further. Um, even when he does go a bit more, as you said, he doesn't really have those attacking, the attacking upside. So he might he might jag a try every now and then, but it's not going to be, uh, not going to really be getting those try assists or, uh, or too many of the tries. So yeah, I'm just going to leave him be and see how it goes. I think if you are considering him, just make sure you just check out the Cowboys bench makeup. I thought Griffin Neem went very well in the trial against the Broncos the other night, um, and they've do and they've re-signed James Tarmow. Um, so they've just got a few middles there floating around, which might be problematic for his minutes. And I think that Toddy Payton loves that explosiveness from him. So I think he's got a big year ahead of him. He went to the World Cup. He'll have Origin again. He's coming off a hamstring last year. I just think there are a few red flags there for me, um, so that's a bit of a wait and watch. And yeah, I'll be I'll be avoiding uh, Dan. I'll stay with you. Um, some of the other premiums just to round out um, this section of the of the front row chat. Um, we got Joe Van Goway, Josh Papali'i, and David Klemmer. I have left Tohu out. We'll come to him at the second. We'll come back to him at second row forward. Um, but let's go with with those guys um, and any kind of just consideration at all or any any. You know, thoughts or musings? No, no, I haven't haven't had any of them near my side. I think they're they're overpriced uh, coming into the start of the year. Uh, Tigers with Clemmer and Joe O, uh, few newcomers into that Tigers pack with IPAP and uh, uh, John Bateman floating around as well. The the minutes are going to be uh, one to see. You've got you've got um, Big Stefano there as well. Uh, Pole, there's there's so much rotations that they're just they're not going to get the minutes that they need to sustain their average at the moment. So I've uh, I would say just about, apart from those three premiums we've talked about, uh, I'd be staying away from the rest of the kind of top tier front row forwards. Jono, um, how about yourself? Anyone else in that premium range for consideration? No, I think Dan covered it well. What about Andrew King? Put him in the circle. Put him somewhere. For this game, well, the juggler, the juggler's come out at Brookie. Great. All right, let's move on to the mid rangers now. Uh, so in this one, let's have a chat about Luke Thompson, Daniel Saifidi, Cohen Hess, and Christian Welsh. I think when we're talking about mid rangers, this is probably a good chance for us to chat strategy. I think most people um, are running with 
Utakamanu as a lock. Um, the only thing that people need to decide is whether they're playing him at second front row forward or third front row forward, and that's very important to the makeup of the rest of your team because that allows you to spend cash elsewhere and you can get another 234K prop instead of having to get one of these mid-ranges or a premium option. Jono, let's start with that consideration first. What's your current starting on field front row setup? Uh, I am currently, for all the cheapies kind of workout, I'm, I'm hoping to run with Joe Tarpany, so that one premium option. I'm looking at one of these kind of mid-range front row forward options. Uh, when I mean mid-range, the higher end of the mid-range. And then I'm looking at Stefano as my third front row forward and then one of the cheapy front row forwards. So, yeah, when we talk about Stefano, I've kind of got some justifications as to why I think for me he's I'd be more comfortable with him as my third. I know, Dan, yep. you're leaning having Stefano as your second. Yeah, I think we were – in our discussion about strategy, I was, I was kind of – uh, floating around like if you're going to have a premium and then a mid-ranger, can Stefano match that mid-ranger? So what is the actual point of having the mid-ranger there if you're going to not play Stefano in the team? So as we so what I'm probably looking at is either having two premiums or going one premium and Stefano as that second uh, forward, but having a bit of flexibility with a few jewels in the in the second row forward uh, that you can throw up there. Yeah, I've got currently I've got um, Payne Haas and Tohu Harris in my front row, and I've got Stefano as my third front rower. Um, for Stefano, it's just all about his minutes. So that bench makeup for the Tigers is going to be crucial. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, as far as these these um, mid range options. I actually don't mind it if you were if you can be confident in Stefano. Like, I still think front row is somewhere where you can you can go cheap. I wouldn't put anyone off that strategy. Um, out of these mid range guys, I think the guy with the most chance to beat his average from last year, although it's risky, is Daniel Saifidi. So he averaged sixty three in twenty twenty, fifty eight in twenty twenty one, and only forty six last year. Um, his PPM dropped from above one to 0.87. I just, I, how can he go any worse? He he was in, he still played Origin last year, I think, um, despite being pretty out of form. Potentially he was injured. There was some chat he might have had long COVID. I think he's probably the safest there. Luke Thompson's the other one, Dan, or who I know you don't mind, is coming off a pretty pretty down year, but it's pretty well documented that he had some personal problems back in the UK. Yeah, I'm, I'm really up in the air. I definitely won't be starting with Luke Thompson, but I'll be interested to see how his output goes. Um, so him and Daniel Sarfidi, it was that 2021 season, lots of momentum with the rule changes. Uh, maybe they were just taking advantage of that and taking the taking the hit-ups when they had some really good momentum and getting a few more power stats. But uh, both of those guys, I'm, I'm not that keen on in the mid-range. If I am looking at a mid-ranger, it's probably Christian Welsh, as my uh, second front row forward, I think uh, you know he's going to be a leader of that 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 Melbourne Storm pack. Um, he's coming off an injury, and he, he's got he's got a point to prove. I think so. If he keeps keeps the offload going, uh, I think he'll be a, a decent uh, decent value buy. Jono, just a bit more strategy. Is it viable to go with two of these mids as you're starting to? props do you think or is that is that just a bit too much risk attached of, of dropping to the field and you know could could be losing sort of 10 to 20 points to your horses and tarpany owners i think it's definitely an option if you're someone who's wanting to stack your halfback position with maybe 
Cleary and Nico and then stack your 5-8 as well. Like, you're going to have to cut back somewhere if you plan on playing that kind of game. So it's an option. I think, yeah, Christian Welch is an interesting one, uh, Dan. Like, he, he averaged 59 in 2021, which is pretty much his career year. He played 52 minutes a game that year. And he's priced at 44. So you can definitely see why he's a fairly safe guy who should definitely increase and is, is quite playable as well. Um, they do have a decent middle rotation, Melbourne, but um, I don't think he's going to be one of those mid-range guys who could become a keeper. I don't think he's any chance of that, but I think he's a pretty safe bet to start the year. The other one, Matt, that you mentioned was uh, Tommy Gilbert, who I'm very, very interested with, and he's been in most of my drafts of what my team's going to look like for this year. I think some of the negatives that people have against him is that uh, Wayne Bennett often doesn't play big minutes to younger players, but... I think that's a that's a little bit of a myth uh, to an extent. He, he played Cam Murray 65-plus minutes every year he coached South. So I think there's a chance Tommy Gilbert gets that number 13 jersey for the Dolphins and then becomes a potential keeper-level player. But I'm interested to hear what you guys think of him because I feel like that's the unpopular opinion. What's your, So what's your guess on his minutes? I'm thinking he could play around 60 to 65 minutes in the middle in that team. they got an I'm sure I've seen that 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 I've sure I'm sure I've seen another Bennett stat around that he likes to play his locks 65 minutes, similar to your point around Murray. Yeah, I think it's the young it's the young player thing that people are saying with Bennett, but I agree. Like his locks traditionally have been big minute players, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little bit of a gut call. Like his PPM was okay last year, but he did spend a lot of time on an edge, and I think yeah, as one of their younger forwards, I think he's someone who can really step up this year. So it's a bit of a gut feel that I'm thinking of going with him. Dan, you don't necessarily look like you agree. No, I, I I don't agree in the fact that you should start with him. I think I I, I definitely think he can have a great year. Uh, he's only twenty three years old. He looks a lot older, but uh, he's he was he was looking great for the cows with with some big minute games there. And then I think that towards the end of the season, he kind of his minutes dwindled to sort of the forties and thirties. So he's definitely an option and I would probably look to actually start with a premium and if that premium's not going so well, uh, because he's got the jewel, you can look at the premiums with your front row forward and second row forward and say you've got to downgrade one of the guns and he was looking good and rock steady, I'd probably then bring him in uh, and you'd then get a good look at his minutes. Uh, but I don't think he's going to hurt you. I don't think he's going to go those 100 plus 80, 90 scores. I think he'll probably be consistent around the 60 if he gets the minutes. Yeah, I, I find it hard to get a read on his what his output will be in the middle given he spent pretty much the entire season on the edge and he's not like a, a try-scoring edge. I think he scored one kind of – I think he scored that try in round one against the Cowboys um, up there in um, – oh, sorry, against the Bulldogs. He's obviously playing for the Cowboys up in um, QCB, the Townsville Stadium. I just I, – I think Dan is spot on. I don't think I could start with him, but he's a real watch because he, if he could get that sort of point per minute and average 65, um, he'll be he'll be straight into my team for an underperforming um, premium or mid. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll just be giving him a little bit of a wide berth just to start and, and a wait and watch. Cohen Hess was the other name I mentioned there, Jono, as well. And I, um, I floated in a WhatsApp group on Saturday night um, that as much as I hated to say it, edge, uh, Hess on the edge was a big watch here given his front row status. Uh, and then I think five minutes in the game when Paddy Carrigan laid him out, I just let everyone know that the watch is now over and he still looks like the same the same Cohen Hess with, uh, with who lost all his powers, uh, his Tarzan powers from about five years ago. Finally, 
just some no's and your just any interest. Horsburgh, Sutton, Dan, your boys. Nah, good, good points per minute, guys. Uh, you know, you want to say know. yes to Sutton. You want to say yes. I, can tell. I, I am. I'm saying he's a watch. He's a watch. T, uh, Tavita Pangai Junior is out for a few weeks now. Sutton, I think he's pro- he might get that 13, uh, lock it down and and just be that big worker in the middle. Uh, so again, if you're looking at a mid ranger who you want to get maybe 55 to 60 points and just be consistent there and, and make a little bit of cash uh, to, you know, and then you can spend in premiums elsewhere, he's, he's he's not a bad option, I think. If he gets some minutes, he's good. Like there's no doubt. He's a PPM beast. Um, Pangoy out is interesting because I think he'll actually start a prop. I think Max King will be lock and then I think it'll be Sutton and Thompson to start. So if he can get 50 minutes, maybe I just would want to see it, I think. Not for me to start. Uh, cheapies. So we mentioned Stefano, who is the main cheapie of the year in the front row. Um, I We spoke about the strategy for Stefano. I think Dan was right. You need him to match um, these mid-rangers to be able to run him at your second front row forward. Um, a strategy that I've had in for a lot of the preseason was to run Stefano at uh, front row forward two. Now, how I was going to enable that was having – Ben Murdoch Masilla as my cheapie at front row four, and then have Tohu Harris as an insurance policy in the second row. That way, if Udakamanu's minutes weren't there, um, I could kind of cover that with an insurance policy of moving Harris up to the front row and then moving Murdoch Masilla down to the back row. And with the plethora of mid range uh, starters who are going to be bobbing up in the second row, um, I can kind of get an idea after that about one week. And then I can think about hopefully Udakamano can still make some money and 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 I can still make that work. But I get the upside of Udakamano uh, performing really well um, in line with that more sort of 500k forward. Um, Udakamano comes down to the minutes, Dan, and um, and as an example of that, uh, last year, um, even though he didn't score as many tries. He was still averaging up near that 0.9 points per minute. And I think he has that attacking upside, which we didn't see last year. Um, So he was named captain for a trial this year. All indications are that he's going to start at front row. Um, What are you sort of hoping to see round one from Stefano? And, um, and, and yeah, um, what's your kind of strategy and thinking around him? I think if you if you see fifty minutes in the first game, it's unbelievable. Like he's just then you then you know you've you've made the right decision on him. He's uh, as you said around he's the captain when Appy's not there. Uh, so obviously very big wraps on him, uh, and I think he'll probably be that starting front row for uh, starting front row forward for them. Uh, I think there's very little risk at his price. I, I don't think he'll get the tr- the amount of tries that he got in that first breakout year. Uh, so that kind of inflates his stats. If you're not looking at the the stats closely, you, you see how good he was there. But I, I would say he's not going to get that many tries, but he's going to be a tackle buster. He's going to be a worker. So 50 minutes will be will be gold. Jono, what are the negatives for Udakamano? What are the risks? I think that they just got a pretty strong front row forward rotation. Clemmer has played big minutes for years now, so I think he's locked in for probably 55 at least per game. Off the bench, you've got Alex Twal, who can play big minutes. you also got Fanua Pole, I think is how you say it, uh, and he looked awesome last year in his in his few games that he got at the back end of the yep. year. So I just, I just don't know if I see where he's going to get much more than 
40 to 45. And you also didn't even mention um, Big Joe O, who had a who had a uh, breakout Supercoach season last year. Like there are a lot of um, lot of there are a lot of mouths to feed there for the Tigers middles, and I think that that's the key risk, and that's the really core decision that that um, that Supercoaches have to make if they're going to put him at second or third. Because I think I think it's Dan. Would you say though that is there a risk? Like if he's named on the bench, would you consider not picking him up for round one on TLT? Yeah, definitely. Like I, I would, if he's on the bench and he's really high percent owned, I think you can dodge him and pick up like a 200 to 230, 240K front row forward instead. Uh, but And then you'd look to a mid-ranger or another premium as your second front row forward. Uh, yeah, I think if, he, if he's on the bench, I, I don't know if, I, I, I'd probably say no, I wouldn't pick him up. What about you, Jono? I'd definitely avoid him if he's named off the bench. 100%. I think that would mean he's looking at 30 to 35 minutes and just wouldn't be worth it at that point. Yep. I think that he's he actually he would have no chance of making money. So you're, you're better off just saving 100K and going down to a, a Davy Mowali or, or Franklin Pele, I would have thought. Yeah. He might he might make some money. It's going to be a slow burn front row forward if, if the case, if he stays consistently off the bench. And, um, yeah. Exactly, what but the point, the point is there. Yeah, lower. the point is there. You can make, you can save a hundred thousand and yeah, still because you wouldn't be, you'd still, never, the same you'd never well. play him, you'd never play him in your seventeen, right? So no. it's just, it's just a slow burn that you don't need and waste of maybe seventy, eighty grand you could spend elsewhere. About fourteen hundred and thirty-five minutes until we. Oh, no, that's that's wrong. <laughs> I'm trying to get the, yeah, the minutes till TLT right. <laughs> <laughs> finding finding a bit of inspiration from tubes there. I'm, I'm uh, staring at I'm week. staring at a I'm staring at a spreadsheet with about eighty seven thousand stats on it, and I can't. And yeah, my head's gone. <laughs> that was a real tubes thing to do, wasn't it? <laughs> there was no upside to that play either. <laughs> we weren't going to be more. I don't know what I don't know what I was thinking. I was doing a bit of year two maths homework this morning. Year three maths homework. My daughter counting up thousands and hundreds, and it's obviously not helped one little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, other cheapies in the front row. Let's go through these quickly. Um, Dan uh, and Jono, I'll I'll make a name and I'll give you know you can each make uh, a comment. Uh, so Dan, start with you. Spencer Lenu. Uh big powerful. Very good young player, just not probably going to get the minutes, so just avoid. Jono, Davey Mowali? I think if he's named for round one, which was concerned that he wasn't in that top 17 for the Charity Shield, I don't know if that matters. It might have just been a weird numbering system. I think if he's named, he's, he's a pretty good look, uh, priced at only 22, uh, and there's minutes there with Harm Seller and uh, Saliva Havili both hurt. So I think he's worth a look if he gets named. Yep, yep, agree. Uh, he'll, I think, hopefully, I'll be able to get him in. Uh, Dan, have you looked at Franklin Pele, two hundred and sixteen k? He's the cheapest of these guys. Yeah, I think the only thing that makes him more interesting now is Tavita Pangai out. I think he might jag that bench spot. Then there's the risk if if Pangai's only out for a couple of weeks, he he might get dropped altogether. Very, very cheap, obviously, and he, he looks looks explosive, but I I don't think he's there yet to. Sort of go up and and ty, uh, the Bulldogs have a very similar issue with the Tigers is who's getting the middle the middle minutes there. Jono, 
Just the other one worth a mention uh, is, I think, Ben Murdoch-Masilla. I think he's dual front row and second row forward. Yeah. He's um he's interesting. I know he's been starting in the trials. He won't start round one, you'd imagine, because they've got uh, Jaden Sewer and Jackson Bird to come back. But he, Jackson David Bird, Wiley, the, cr- the cricketer. Oh. <laughs> what? Sydney Sixers, Sydney Sixers, Sydney Sixers stalwart. Length. Uh, no, <laughs> Jack Bird. Um, I think that Ben Murdoch, Masilla, if Davy Moali and Frank Compelle aren't named, which is a chance for round one, I think he's interesting, Murdoch, Masilla, because he's pretty much the only middle forward at the Dragons who has any aggro about him at all. So I kind of don't mind him if he gets a bench spot playing 30 to 35 minutes, just if no one else is named. Yep, I agree with that. I think I've got him in my side at the moment, and I like that dual flexibility as well. Uh, last one on the cheapy list, Dan, who's who's relatively popularly owned. Um, and some some chance he gets a starting lock role for Manly is Sean Kepi. He is 270-odd thousand. Uh, any interest? And uh, I think there might be a few red flags for him. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I I mean he's a good young player, but it's it's really tough with that rotation. Uh there's a there's murmurs and rumors around uh Nathan Brown going to the to Manly. So Murmurs, um, murmurs and rumors. Both that's a combination. What's more what's stronger? The murmurs or the rumors? I think it's I think rumors, I, I think the rumors. I think the big rumors, Nathan Brown at lock. Uh he'll he'll be in there if he's if he's getting picked up. But yeah, I, Josh uh Oshe Ole Ole, he uh he's he's gonna get the minutes there as well and he hasn't been there around the trial. So I I'd say he's just a just a wait and see at the price. One man we didn't talk about. John, we spoke a little bit about him pre-pod, but just while we're on the manly middle rotation, Jake Turbo got the duel today. So front row, I think that's a weird duel. Like he's played one trial at front row forward. He hasn't played front row since the under twelves at Monavale Raiders. <laughs> oh, look, I, I said at this pre-pod that I think he's someone to keep an eye on if he's playing in the middle in that front row position, not just being a link man all the time. Does more what he does at Origin, but Dan Dan got the fire extinguisher out and said it was a rubbish call. So I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but I think he's just worth a watch. But I do agree that he's not a high upside man. Doesn't have a lot of attacking stats. Send him off! Send the drifting edge off! Get him off the field! That was diabolical! All right, let's, uh, let's wind up front row forward and move on to the second row. Um, really, really interesting position. Again this year, uh, lots of cheapy options that are prevailing, a lot of mid-range options that are prevailing, and then some proven guns who, um, yeah, look, there's a few who are interesting. There's a few who maybe are a little bit overpriced to start, of the, start of the year after coming off huge breakout seasons. So I'm talking about guys like Hudson Young, Jeremiah Nanai, uh, Koala Matangi, Homale Olakawatu. Um, and, like, there's a real mix. Like, there's a, your bread and butter guys like Tohu and Paddy Carrigan, um, the king of bread and butter, IPAP. Um, yeah, it's going to be – it's a very, very interesting position to start the year. Uh, let's start, Jono, with you. South Sydney Rabbitohs hero, superstar, Cameron Murray, 720-something thousand. Um, it, I, I love Cameron Murray, Cameron Murray, and I would love to start <laughs> with him. <laughs> 
Um, but I just can't. I just can't justify it at that price. I think he's well priced. Yeah, he is, and he averaged sixty-eight minutes a game last year. And you can't see that going up this year. Like they, they do like to give him a breather every now and then. Uh, and that that average minutes that it didn't include his one minute HIA game. That was just of the games he played properly in. So I think he's fairly priced. He does have upside though. Like he, you could see him being the kind of back rower who could go on a run and hurt you. The flip side to that is that Souths do have quite a tough early draw. So you'd hope that maybe he's not getting the big attacking stats if you start without him. Bit of super, bit of super coach cliche bingo here. But uh, did you know that Cam Murray actually likes the tough games and scores well in the hard games? Um, I've heard that around the traps a lot. So uh, we got a, we got a bingo. Danny, he's 749K actually, a little bit more than I mentioned there. Uh, any interest from you? Yeah, I think so. What what uh, I, I sort of really liked him because I thought maybe he's a bit too unaffordable for people, but then I looked at how many people own him and it's 29% or something like that. So yeah. that that kind of turned me off a little bit, but... As I said in earlier pods this year, I'm kind of going a little bit more mainstream rather than trying to just counter every everyone else. So I, I think if I can afford him in that second row forward position, uh, I would love to have him. Uh, I like the hard draw early on. A uh, few injuries to the South's pack as well. It means there's going to be some younger younger forwards through those rotations and he's going to have to take, advantage, take over uh, and be the leader there. So I think he plays a lot of minutes early in the season. He's so good. I like the yep. he scores tries, he'll play big minutes. Couple of little red flags for me. Coming off a huge year, 68 minutes per game, World Cup. Um, origin, long year for Souths again this year. They'll be in contention. I just to Jono's point, how how can he maintain those minutes early? Do you think Jono that that he will, just given the toughness of their draw? And that he'll, they'll like it's likely that some of these games will be quite tight. Yeah, I think his minutes are fairly safe to stay around that mark because they just need him. Souths don't look good whenever he's not on the, the field, like through that middle. So I think they just need him there to play the big minutes. But I think 68s, I don't think it's going to be more than that. So I don't think there's huge potential for growth. Mm. He's so consistent, like last three years, like he's basically, you know what you're going to get. And if he can start fast with a big 130, which he's got in him, then you're going to get value for your money. You're going to get a jump on the field. And that's the kind of thing you need to go right, Dan. Yeah, you're just you're just on full tilt. If you don't start with him, 30% of the field has him uh, and he's just busting out these huge scores. You're just thinking, how do I get Cam Murray in there? And that's going yeah. to cost you one trade, at, at least one trade, if not two trades to Probably go two. up to him. Uh, most likely that too. So... I'm I'm really keen to have him in there. He's going to be a he's going to be a set lock in until that maybe until the Souths buy and then Origin. I think you can probably if he's holding and maintaining his price, you can probably uh, drop him out of your side to maybe get back later. But uh, I think starting with him is is an easy option. He just doesn't have uh, he just doesn't have those low scores in him either. Like he he just doesn't go missing. So that that floor is just so safe. Like just his low score last year, 37 in 46 minutes um, in non-injury-affected games. But even that game probably was injury-affected given he only played 46. Um, I would guess that he starts at that 70-minute range. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't on him at all. Uh, I, you know, I'd flirted with him, but, yeah, this is really talking me around a bit. 
Um, and who the man who it's probably going to want to is going to need to talk me out of is none other than um, the Enigma, David Fafita, right hand edge for the Gold Coast Titans, six hundred and eighty nine k, I believe. I've been on David Fafita all year. We've spoken about him on this pod. How can it be any worse than last year, Jono? Tell me how it can be worse than last year. It can't be, and I'm not going to be the one to talk you out of him because he's he's an absolute lock for me. The other thing is, it's it's a contract year, isn't it, for David Fafita? Contract year. Yeah, yeah, he's a lock. Get him in. I'm, I don't think anyone should try and talk anyone out of him. Dan, do you buy into contract year narrative? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be overblown, uh, surely. I, I don't know. Um I don't, it's it's really hard. Like, is is David Fafita's output because of disinterest? Is it because of the position that they play him out of the Titans? Is it because they just don't give him the ball? It's really hard to determine, is it David Fafita or is it the Titans that's causing the problems that it caused last year? So I, I just have no idea. Like, again, but, you know, from the coach's perspective, just give David Fafita the ball. Just, you know. In good, good positions, in good areas. Yeah. Give him early ball. He's gonna he's gonna cause a lot of disruption. Even if he doesn't get over, he's taken three, or four defenders with him. Quick play the ball back and you know get the momentum. So I don't know if it's even if it is contract year, but they're still playing him in similar sort of structures as last year. Like you know, does his output go up? I'm I'm not sure. So he averaged 89 points in 2021. Um, and 70 points last year. So he's down almost 20 year on year. And 70 points is still insane, let's be honest. Like, you know, the, mo- the most insane thing, the most insane thing I saw last year was starting David Fafita in the centers. Uh, yeah, that was, that it, was, yeah. it was ludicrous. You know, t- um, Drinkwater just ran, ran him so easy on a, on a scrum play. And, uh, I think he, he got out of there pretty quickly after that. But, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's an absolute attacking machine when he's on and when he gets ball. Uh, I love having him in the team when he's like that, And but it was really hard to have him in the team last year. The best thing about Fafida is if he gets the 80-minute role, which I don't see any reason why he wouldn't this year, um, not only is he playing for a contract, the coach is on – this is his last chance. If they fail again this year, he's gone. Um, if he scores a try, he basically tons up in 80 minutes because he gets all those other attacking stats to go with it. Um, and, you know, if the Titans can be any good at all, they, that Tube spoke about this a while ago about how people consider the expectation of the teams and what they did last year. So Cowboys obviously had a really good year. They need to repeat that to be able to match that level of performance from Supercoach. The Titans are the opposite. They had quite a poor year. They only need to be a bit better, and that's going to suit David Fafida to the ground. So, Jono, and uh, you've talked back into him, and Dan, um, how's how's your head at with that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of had him in and out of the side the whole time. I think when you look at it from the perspective of him being only 680,000K, he is one of maybe – five guys in the in in super coach who can go over a million dollars so you could you could potentially be making 350k plus a huge amount of points if he starts with a with a bang he's another one who everyone will just want to buy 
if he gets a bang, same as Murray. Like people will yeah. be scared not to own own him. Oh, geez, that for feeder, for feeder and Murray. How do I get them in the team? Tohu Harris is all of a sudden looking in a bit of trouble with his meat meat potato sixty nine minutes and hit ups. Uh, mm. John, we just better just better touch on. Oh, he's he's got to be my favourite player. IPAP eight hundred thirty one k gone to the Tigers. He can't really come into consideration, can he, to start the season? No, I think he's one that we all plan on having by the back end. But I just think he's he's bound to drop in price a bit. Going to a worse club, not getting made essentially the same quality of ball and, and the attacking stats. So no, he's he's a pass for me for the start of the year. Especially the other thing is you got big Johnny Bateman on the other edge, and he he loves touching the ball, Johnny Bateman. So yeah, I, I think he's a pass for now. Is there any some chat that, that Bateman might play lock? I don't know what because he's not even in the country. He's due this week. Some chance he'll play round one. Some chance he won't. But that'll be that'll be an interesting one for Bateman because I think that would be quite good for Bateman in Supercoach. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Interesting. Be interesting. Very good for Bateman and very bad for every other player in the Tigers team. I think scoring wise. Yeah. Well, how would you know what he's going to do? Like you want that you want that Gerbo style Tohu Harris style lock that gets to the point of the field or do the ball playing. Bateman will just be like running around like a headless chook, not getting to the, not getting where he needs to on <laughs> on fourth tackle. Um, other premiums uh, worth a, worth a mention: Dan Paddy Carrigan. Um, he's come onto a lot of people's radar after a huge trial match against the Cowboys. I got to admit, I was a Paddy Carrigan doubter coming into the last year. I thought he was incredibly overrated, but he really blew me away last year. had a, Had a really breakout season. Queensland State of Origin star, arguably one of the best players in Origin, and then a kangaroo um, in the World Cup. He's got to his base is base his base is the best in Supercoach. Um, could you could you consider him or like just go like he doesn't really have that ceiling? I don't think. Yeah, I love I love Paddy Carrigan. I before the trials, I was I was talking him up uh, as as a guy to get. Uh, I was I've had him kind of locked away in my side. Uh, for the preseason, I love his base. Uh, he's got the offload in, you know, without having those injury affected games that he looked unbelievable last year. And I think he's probably at that stage now where he's he's taking over the leadership uh, completely of that forward pack. And I would maybe bank on him getting those extra minutes and maybe Payne Huss getting a few less. Uh, so I'm very keen on starting him uh, as my sort of third premium in the second row forward. Just to put that into context, his base points per minute is 0.91, which is better than 90% of the the game's point per minute. Um, yeah, like the offload is a big thing for Carrigan. He looked to really have that offload out um, on Saturday night, and if he can keep that going, I think he really does come into contention. Jono? I just I, I agree with everything you guys have said. And his, his eight games where he got 60-plus minutes last year, he averaged 73.3, and he's priced at a 62 I just think the question is how, how confident are we that he's going to get those big minutes? That's what it comes down to. Like, and I just don't think he can guarantee, which is why for me I just want to wait and watch and see what their rotation looks like before I, I get him in. I'm very confident. That, yeah, me too. Okay. I'm really confident. confident. I think him and Haas's minutes are very secure. I think Haas will be 60, maybe at a push 65, and I think Carrigan will be 65 to 70. I think he'll have okay. that, one, that one break. You look at their middles um, on the bench. So you got Marty Tapau, uh, new name. Welcome, Marty. Um, and Corey Jensen, 
Kobe Hetherington, who I believe is out injured to start the season. Like these guys are good toiling NRL front rowers, but they're not big minute men. And mm. I think Kevin's going to want to. Yeah, Flagler's, Flagler's got minutes in him. I don't. You're right, does he? I think he's more of a forty. Not a minute. Not a, not a minute. Not a minute guy. I don't think. Nah. Nah. He's Boy, a PPM guy. I thought he'd be. Um, was, I thought he'd be safe for a forty-five to fifty minutes, but maybe I'm overestimating what he got last year. Yeah, like he. There's also a couple of rumors and murmurs that, that he'd become manly <laughs> as well. <laughs> so you just got to keep an. You just got to keep an ear to the ground for those murmurs and rumors. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Jono, he he was very much a – he had a few games in the 50s last year, but very much a sort of 40 to 45-minute man, um, Tommy Flagler. So I'm I'm really confident. Like I just think Carrigan's gone to a new level. So if he does get that and he does average 72, geez, that's tempting as well. So that's three premium front second rowers I've got to fit in now. Um, should we even bother talking about any more? I don't know. Uh, let's talk about those guys who I mentioned at the top there and just any thoughts or musings. Um, Hudson Young, Kawhi Matangi, Ola Kawatu, and Jeremiah Nanai. Start with you, Dan. Uh, I mean, everyone says it on Nanai. I know Jono's got a bit to say about him, but he's he's great to watch, but he just needs to score a try every game, basically. It was unbelievable the amount of tries he scored. Uh, so if you get him in your super coach team, like he'll be entertaining. And, you know, cows have a great first run. In terms of, like, the value in it, uh, I don't see anything, any value in picking him up early. Uh, and, yeah, no interest really in the other guys. Big Ola, uh, Ola Kwatu, he's a great great player. And if Manly are firing, he's going to get a lot of ball. But he's he's not for me at the price. Jono, uh, my take on all of these guys is that they're all slightly overpriced to start the year. And all of them will be on my radar at some point, particularly through Origin. Yeah, I don't know about Alakwatu being overpriced. Like he averaged, he's priced at a sixty-four average. He, um, his average is worse because of the, the Jersey Gate last year. He, his, his uh, scores plummeted after that. So yeah. you would get him at a slight discount. Uh, I think he averaged sixty-eight before all that happened, and fifty-four after it. So a slight discount. But my concern with him is that. They got a lot of right edge action last year with Tommy Turbo being out. Uh, like DCE pushed that right yep. edge so much more than usual. I That's think right. with Tommy coming back, uh, the left edge becomes much more interesting, which also makes a, a mid-range that we'll talk about soon, Kel Mature Lange, pretty interesting too. Dan? I think uh, you probably talked about it on last pod a little bit, but for team balance, um, I think um, if you've got Turbo, if you've got Schuster, there's a lot of cash going into Manly who have the round two buy as well. If you're picking up Olakwatu as well, so it's a lot of a lot of money sitting on your bench very early on when other teams are kind of getting a bit more bit more points. So I um, I think you've got to bring that into consideration is not having too much cash on the bench with the Manly side. Just to round out the premium chat, um, just a couple of thoughts on Nanai as well. Um, I think that. Like I said, uh, I think the the pod father put him up on uh, one of his draft teams on one of our group chats earlier, and and I said that I liked his team except for Nanai. Um, Dan, you mentioned his draw. Like, I think that he probably only needs a, like a big one hundred and thirty at some point during that run, and he'll be worth it. He does need attacking stats, but he gets them. Like, they target him. 
They use him near the line. They don't worry about him in grunt work. It's very much how the Titans should be thinking about playing David Fafita. Um, I don't know. There's just something nagging at me that says he's going to be a really good super coach option again. And I think if he does start slowly and gets a couple of price drops, I'm really going to try and target him um, at some point. I, I think that he's an exceptional super coach player, exceptional NRL player. Um, the only thing, Jono, as well, is he got paid last year. He's he's not on a contract year, so narrative <laughs> narrative narrative firmly against Jeremiah Nanai having back up that season. Um, all right, let's get into the mid range. Oh. Veers to the right, inside. Oh, Bateman, Bateman, wow. yes, yes, Canberra. Back row options now. Um, as mentioned a couple of times a ton of good mid-range options this year, really sort of some prevailing guys who have got role changes um, thanks to some team movements. Um, let's start with the Storm. Um, Dan, Ellie Katoa and Trent Loyero look like they're getting those starting back row roles to start. A um, couple of like mixed thinking here. The The initial sort of thinking was that um, Bellamy likes to play his back rowers 80 minutes. I think that had more to do with the fact that it was Kenny Bromwich and, and – Felice Kafusi, who are trusted soldiers. Are you considering either of them or both? I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't pick up both. I'd I'd go one or the other. Uh, I think Katoa has a bit more impact, try scoring ability in him, uh, whereas Luero's got some very good base stat, uh, base stats, uh, base stats from previous uh, previous years, but with limited minutes. So it would be. I think I was looking through, and with a with a few games with higher minutes, he still has a really good point per minute. So I, I would expect in an eighty minute games, if he locks down that edge spot, he could potentially be a, a fifty five to 60, 60 average, which would be awesome at his price. Uh, Katoa, I think you'd have to bank on them going to him as as that kind of Kafusi short ball option, uh, and he'd probably need a few more attacking stats because I don't see that he's going to have the base output. Yeah, I, I think they're both underpriced. I've currently got both of them. Um, I don't think there's too big a problem. A couple of reasons is because Melbourne don't have a buy for ages, so you can carry them through, make that money, sell them when they're ripe. Um, red flags for me, Katoa um, gets injured a bit. He seems a little bit flaky in terms of like being able to stay on the field. I think he has upside. I think the price is right, so I think he's. But I think they're both good options, um, and you can always move one of them on at some point. I'm going to give both of them strong consideration. Um, Jono, let's go over to uh, Bondi now uh, and talk about the Butcher Brothers, Egan and Nat, um, both in this sort of mid-range category. Nat's a bit of a proven super coach stud when he gets the minutes. Egan looks like a super coach stud, like if I've ever seen one. Great rig, breaks tackles. <laughs> Um, and he's he's been mooted to um, take the spot of Angus Crichton, who is expected to miss the start of the season. Yeah, I was surprised that Egan Butcher was only at uh, 2% ownership so far. I thought with kind of that Crichton news, it might have gone up, but I guess there is still the question mark. We don't know how long Crichton's going to be out for. Uh, Butcher had really, really good PPM. Like he, Last year was at 1.15, so PPM was excellent, but that was playing a lot in the middle. We obviously expect that to probably drop back a little bit on an edge. I think for me, I, I, I'm very, very interested, but just that concern of Crichton coming back 
is going to be enough, I think, to, to stop me from going there. Yeah, I agree. Interestingly, just filtering here by um, Roosters back rowers, the Butcher Brothers are the fifth and seventh owned most uh, most owned Roosters back rowers. So does anyone know on the pod who is the most owned Roosters back rower in the game? Is it that young? What's, what's the young I'll be shocked if anyone gets this. Oh, no, no, it's Drew not... Hutchison. Drew Hutchison. Drew, Drew... I Renown, saw that second row forward, <laughs> Drew Hutchison. <laughs> what? Eight and yeah, a half percent owned. <laughs> oh, my God. Is he going to start at 5'8"? Is that what's going on there for Kiri? No, it's Kiri. I don't know. What, I, what, I, price, I, what price is he? Dual, I haven't even looked, looked at him. He's dual second row, 5'8". Uh, 8.5% owned. He's 234K. How, how does he get dual second row? Yeah, I have, that's a really weird one. He's played hooker. He's played 5'8". Yeah. Probably played centers for a little bit as well, but he's, I don't think he's ever played in the back row. I honestly didn't think we'd bring you talking about <laughs> Drew Hutchison in second row chat tonight. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, I, I would be looking elsewhere for that option if you are one of the 8.5% out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan, any thoughts on Nat or Egan? Uh, for me, if I was going to pick up a Roosters second row, it would be Nat Butcher. Uh, I think he's secure. He's he's locked down the space. He looks he looks massive. He looks bigger this year. He yeah, looks he looks stronger. Uh, so I think he's going to have a breakout year if he plays consistently eighty minutes on that edge. Uh, a little bit awkwardly priced. I, I, you know, looking at the numbers and stats, his his base points aren't exceptional, uh, but he could he could be getting a, a lot of ball on that right edge, uh, particularly with Ang- Angus out. That uh, does throw me a little bit Angus up in the air because it's not an injury in terms of physical, so he could be back at any stage. Uh, I know people have talked. People have murmured and, and rumoured that he's going to be uh, – he's, tra- he's still training. So, uh, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean when he feels feels good he's just going to go, yep, uh, put me in, put me in, coach? Uh, I, I'm not sure. So Nat Butcher, Egan Butcher could be a great start. It could look awesome and then just go back to the bench and be a bit trappy. I love Egan Butcher. He, I had him in my side for ages there. Um just I'm too I'm too scared. Like if Crichton comes back, like I'd rather just wait, get a bit more information. Because yeah. in I am real I am really worried about Egan being a genuine gun and averaging sixty five over the first month. Um mm-hmm. but at the one point six percent ownership, I think you can work just let it let it go, have a look. Um there's just too many like too much risk, I think, associated. You know, if you want to spend that, I'd I'd want a little bit more certainty around that. That, that man holding the position. Um, all right, let's get through to our next mid-range options. Uh, Dan, I'm going to come to you now because this guy has been someone close to your heart, someone who maybe, you know, let's say you were ahead of the game on him. It's Murata Niakore from the New Zealand Warriors. He's 411K, I think. Is he in your plans for the coming season? My man, Nia Kore. Uh, I, I liked him three years ago when I was really <laughs> deep deep diving into the stats and I'm like, hold on, this guy is like a base points per minute machine from centre. Uh, I'm like, what could he do in the second row? Like, uh, So I, I really liked him and I actually bought him 
at when he was playing for the centers in Para, thinking he would be well. I think I had the decision of near core eight. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He was only second row, but he was playing in the centers. And this was pre them getting That's updated. Right. And I go, who who looks good? I, it could be IPAP or near core. And uh, <laughs> I, I took near core at, at very similar prices. I think uh, this is when so, you weren't really watching weren't really watching it. You were just looking at the stats. Exactly. It's hard it's hard over in London to watch every game and watch watch what's <laughs> happening. So uh look, I I like him from a stat perspective. Uh I think he's a really solid middleman, actually, rather than on the on the edge. Uh I saw him put a shot on someone on the weekend. Look, he, he's just so strong. So I don't know if he if he as rumored, plays eighty on the edge. Uh, I think you can probably take take a risk on him. Uh, I just I know Jono is probably going to chime in here. How many warriors do you want in your team? I think he's the only one worthwhile, Dan. Like I, I, I think the other ones have too many question marks over him. But I actually do like your boy Nikore. He's definitely he's one of the better mid range options to me. And at a discount on someone like a Teague Wilton, I think Nikore's got less question marks over him. The, uh, so last year, down to your point, he was 0.86 um, base points per minute, which is really, really good. He obviously spent some time in the middle, so I would expect that to drop a bit. He was 0.88 base points per minute in 2020. The year you, I reckon 2021's the year you bought him. He was 0.59 base points per minute that year. Um, yeah, I think I you was, have to look at the base plus, plus his power stats were really good. And I well, was thinking that's, he was I mean, going to get some tries at centre. Yeah, well, base, I mean, Base points per minute, like even if that drops to 0.75, that's insane if he plays 80 at his price. He's coming off a year where he only averaged 48 minutes per game last year. So even if he can just get that up to 65, you're looking at a, at a ton of value and, um, you know, even some upside in attacking stats because he doesn't really have attacking stats at the Eels, but maybe he'll get that at the Warriors. Who knows? Uh, all upside. So he's someone that I'm definitely going to consider. I think it's like him or Eli Katoa. Like they're the kind of that's the kind of decision in that price bracket that you've got to make. Did he get a dual upgrade? Near core eight. Yeah. No. That's ridiculous. No. Like he has played well, more centre in the last three years than second row forward. Uh and he's not a he's not a center wing. But they pulled it back. They didn't give anyone they gave barely anyone dual to start this year and knowing what they knew. And he's not gonna play He's not going to play center, so I I don't disagree with it. He's like mm. they. I like that they're reducing the amount of jewels. Yeah, I think they should, they should only I, reserve it for the superstars like Drew Hutchison to get those that the jewel. That's what I mean. You can't. Drewy <laughs> <laughs> boy Hutchison flies in the face of everything you just said, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happened there. Maybe yeah. God. All right. Um, Let's round out our mid-range second row chat um, with a couple of the real popular ones. Um, Luke Garner, Jono, Penrith Panthers probably started as the most spruced second row forward of the off-season. His stocks have fallen pretty dramatically, though, and he's 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 certainly not in my team at the moment. And um, judging by the judging by the ownership, uh, which has plummeted to under twenty percent, it seems like a few super coaches are agreeing. Yeah, I, he didn't look great from all reports uh, during the World Club Challenge on the weekend, and I just I think we're all just hoping he gets a bump on that with his attacking stats in the Penrith left edge. Like he 
He averaged 53 in his 50 in his 50 minute or over games in 2021. He only averaged 49.9 in his 15 80 minute games last year. So, like base wise, he's not going to be great. I think people are banking on him getting the attacking bump, and I think maybe after the weekend, people are concerned. I don't have any real concerns over Penrith after one weekend, but I do no. worry about Garner's ability to play 80 minutes. What about that 80 minutes? Because I think everyone was just expecting him to slot into an 80-minute parole, but I think that's that's heavily in doubt now. Oh, 100%. Especially like Zach Hoskins looks like a, a pretty good player, plus you've got Scotty Sorensen and Eisenhuth off the bench who can both cover that edge spot too. So, yeah, I think he's going to be in a void for me now. But, again, if he was to go on a he's run a in watch. the first... yeah. Yeah, sorry, an avoid just for round one, but definitely yeah. on the watch list. Um, and if he was to go on a good run and bag a couple of tries in the first two rounds. I think Penrith had to buy round three, don't they? And then you could bring him in round four. Yep. So, yeah, definitely a watch. Dan, anything to add on Garner? No, I've been I've been off him since the start. I think he was he was well overhyped as a as a player. Uh obviously just going into a Panthers side, but he's he's no kick out. They're not gonna look for him like they did with him. So no. his stats don't back up any any value. Uh, I remember he got a lot of FFE tries for the Tigers, which kind of bumped his average up as well. So I, I see him as maybe, at best, a 50-point 50, 50 guy. So I'm just going to avoid at the moment. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be that devastating. He can run a good line. He can sniff a try. I just don't see the huge upside if he's not playing 80. If he's playing 80, different story. I think you'd have to, you'd have to give him strong consideration. Dan, someone that is getting strong consideration from me um, is our boy Teague Wilton from the Sharkies. He's 493K, looks like he's got that edge all to himself now. Wade Graham re-signed one year. Love you, Wade. I hope you just play a good mentoring role this year because we need Teague playing that 80 on the edge. What do you think? Yeah, love Teague. Finds a line. He's on that uh, potent left edge of the Sharkies. Uh, And if... If Wade Graham is nowhere near the side, uh, he's going to be a he's going to have a great year. But uh, I think Wade will be on the bench. I think there's a risk that he takes a few minutes off Teague. Uh, I think he's still probably uh, a guy you can take a punt with early on for sure. I love him as a player. Good output. I don't think there's a chance that he goes under his price in terms of value. Like I think it'd be hard, even if Wade comes on and and spells him for a little bit, I think it's hard to see him averaging under that sort of 55, 50 to 55. So you're not going to lose money on him. If he does get that 70 to 80, then you could be looking at sort of a 65 average, um, which would be incredible to start the year. So And he's he's priced at a 46.9 average. So I can, yeah, like you're not going to lose money on him. It's just about, if he doesn't play that eighty-minute role, could you have put that money into something better? Yep. Yeah, dead. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at a bit of like balancing out the team a lot this year. That's what I'm focusing heavy on, with particularly with the bias going on. So, I think if I'm only having Nico from the Sharks, uh, Wilton will be that second shark. Uh, Sharky, I don't think I'd carry say Wilton, Nico, and Talakai, something like yep. that. I'd probably yep. just go for the that two Sharks. And I'd either go Wilton or Talakai, something something like that. But he's he's definitely an option if you can fit him in your side with some great balance. Uh, he's he's one of the, he's probably the top mid uh, pick for me. Yep, he's not currently in my side, but I'm I'm giving strong consideration. Dan, someone who you who caught your eye in the trials, 
Uh, it was it was Kelma Tuolagi from the from the Manly Seagulls. He's jumped across from the Tigers. Had a he was a popular cheapie to start last year. He's kind of mid range now. Had an okay season. Um, I think expectations are quite high though up up there at Brookie. Yeah, I just think like he's going from Tigers who were terrible last year to Manly on a left edge uh, that looks very juicy. Uh, and if you're that short ball runner with turbo floating at the back, uh, as a defender, I'm only looking at one person, and it's Tommy Turbo. So if he's getting those little no-look balls off Schuster on the left edge there, I think he's in for a few tries this season. Yeah. Uh, he does need those attacking stats, though. So yep. I I think I'd be looking at, say, Tuolagi, undervalued, uh, Big Ola, Olaquadu on the other side, maybe overvalued at the moment. Uh, and definitely one to take a punt on. I think he'll be a big pod player. Against against the likes of Ghana, isn't it really? Like he would be the Ex- exactly. He's a pod he's a pod he's a pod mid against your your Ghana's, your Katoas, your Teague Wilton's yep. butcher. Jono, uh last couple I just want to mention and feel free to say nothing or something. Josh Curran and Jack Murchie. Uh, Curran's a bit of a fallen star back to the bench. Couldn't start with him, I wouldn't have thought. No, as, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the, the Warriors, uh, I, I just think it's a, an avoid those edge back rower guys outside of Dan's man. I just I just think there's too much uncertainty with minutes. If, if Curran had a starting role at 13, you'd strongly consider it. But there's too much yeah. uncertainty going on. There's, in pretty much all spots, it feels like there's no real set-in-stone bloke. So I don't like anyone from the Warriors to start off the year. <laughs> He'll be he'll be someone to pick up at some point. Like he could if his role improves, he can gets cheap. Uh, what about Jack Murchie? It looks like he's going to get that um, left edge spot at the Eels. That's uh, Sean Lane's unfortunately broken his jaw and has to vacate for the first couple of months of the season. Is that I had no idea that news even happened. So I have nothing to say. <laughs> I completely missed that. Didn't get didn't yeah. didn't catch wind of the murmur. <laughs> that's that's specifically a murmur because it's not a rumor. <laughs> yeah, you should have at least heard a murmur. <laughs> I think it was more than a murmur, but uh, yeah, for me, like looking at how many para back rowers do you want in your team? Like mm. at some stages, I've done some drafts with that, and you you might have Hopgood, Dory, Murchy sitting on your bench. Uh, so you know you don't want to be running short. Uh, for buyers, but you know they don't. I don't think they've got an early buy para. They've got a tough drawer as well, so you're not going to get attacking stats from all of the, all of them. But at the same time, a lot of like those three could just be workers as well. Yeah, so para don't have a buy until round fourteen. So they're actually it's actually not the worst overloading with para back row because they cover, you know, and and they're going to be like cash cow options. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. I would want to just see the makeup of the bench though before I went near Murchie. Feels risky. Would probably rather pay to get Teague Wilton. Um, yeah, yeah, he does. He's have, not. He does. He does have something about him though, Murchie. Like he can play, but yeah, it's, I, it's I, probably. Yeah, I don't think he's got enough. I don't think he's got enough potential to to nah. explode uh, and go that next level up, which I think someone like a Wilton or a Tuilagi or a Nat Butcher might. Egan Butcher, our boy Egan. Um, yeah. All right, let's get into the cheapies now to finish us off for the night. Um, some really good options who are starting. So a uh, couple to mention, probably the best of them, 
by a mile is Jermaine Hopgood, Jono. He's just set and forget, surely. Absolutely, and he's someone you'd feel really comfortable playing in your in your team straight away. Like that's, I think, with him and, and Josh Schuster, if you name Schuster at, at that second row forward spot, they're two blokes you'd be confident to play in your team at a really, really cheap price uh, from the outset. So I think he's, he's a lock. The only questions you could have is if Maddo, when Maddo comes back in round three, maybe his minutes drop a bit, but I still don't think they're going to drop to any kind of concerning level. So just on Hopgood quickly, last year um, he made uh, 19 appearances for the New South Wales Cup team for the for the Penrith Panthers. He uh, scored eight tries, which is obviously pretty good, playing through the middle. He, he averaged um, like 38 tackles, I think, and 140 metres or something ridiculous like that. Like he's, his work rate is incredible. I think that it's not inconceivable that he averages over 55 and, yeah, really safe play in your 17 to start the year if you're a little bit thin. Um, really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, the other one who's on everyone's radar now as well, looking like he might get that right edge back row spot but fraught with a bit more danger, Dan, is uh, Matt Dory. He, now, Dory burst onto the scene a couple of years ago as a really highly touted guy coming through at the Dogs. He hasn't yet put it on the park in first grade. He's 234K this year, looking like he'll get a start on the edge. Uh, is he in your team at the moment? Mm, yeah, hunky dory. I don't. I, I mean, he looks a bit of a barrel. He looks looks like a likely lad. Uh, I'm not. I just don't know enough about him to be like super convinced. But at the price of 234k, uh, he's easy to have as a cheapie in your back row. I, I don't. I don't think there's much risk of it if he's if Sean Lane is now out for a while. Um, that just you know puts it in stone even more. Uh, so yeah. if he gets the first four to six weeks at that edge spot and plays big minutes like it's a it's an easy in your side Jono no Dan covered off what I was going to mention just here with Sean Lane out you probably have that hang on you just you just found out Sean Lane's out I said what did (laughs) (laughs) look when the murmur came through that Sean Lane was out I think um Dory becomes much more interesting because I was looking at him thinking I know Maddo's played really well through the middle last year but I was worried that Dory loses that spot um, finding Dory might might not be found. He might lose that spot to Maddo when he comes back, but now you have to feel pretty safe about it. Rounding out the cheapies, there's a group of them here that I want to touch on. So we've got Trey Mooney from the Raiders, Sia Wong from the Roosters, Sean Bloor from the Tigers, highly touted cheapie from the feels like about the last five years. And uh, Braden Williami, who I think we touched on center wing, but he's dual, very handy. Um, could be someone as a bit of a hold, placeholder in your back row, but probably more of an option at center wing. Dan, um, anything to say about those cheapies? Any on the radar? Uh, I'd be much more excited on Mooney if he wasn't at the Raiders. Just, just no idea. I think he's a very, very good young player, and he'll be very relevant in the future. But given what Ricky has done at the Raiders, I can't, can't really. See that he's he might he might not get any opportunity. He might get a bit. He might play small minutes. Don't know. Uh, Sua Wong from the Roosters just down the pecking order too much for me. And if Crichton yep. comes, he's kind of not there as well. So I'm going to leave him. Uh, Sean Bloor. There was there was some talk around Bateman as I said playing the middle. Does Sean Bloor take that edge spot uh, if he's there at? I'll ask you guys if he's there on the edge starting in the first game. Is he locked in your sight? Locked in for me. Yeah, Jono. 
No, not not for me. Not if Bateman's out. I, I wouldn't be convinced that he's going to hold the spot. So if Bateman was there playing lock and blows on an edge, then yes. But I, I wouldn't be without Bateman being in the team. Ah, you got me, Jono. Too good. You're right. <laughs> not locked in for me. <laughs> 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 That's a quick flip. <laughs> I, look, I was I was thinking about as you were talking, Dan. Like I'm always trying to stay two steps ahead on this pod, and I was trying to think about what I was wanted to say about these guys. And I thought Sean Bloor is the one in here that interests me the most because I think that he's the most likely to get that start. But John is 100 percent right. If Bateman's not in the 17 and Bloor's on an edge, that's very dangerous. Like I'd rather wait, give it a week. Perfect downgrade option if he keeps that starting spot in on the, when he's on the bubble in round three. Um, that seems like a much safer option. You're 100% right, Jono. Congratulations. You won. I'll take it. Uh, all right. That's uh, that's going to see us out for tonight. That's a really thorough chat. I really enjoyed that, boys. So thank you very much. Um, we're going to be back next Tuesday. TLT cannot wait. This week off is no good. I'm glad we did the pod tonight because it's a bit of a filler. I'm going to try not to play with my team too much between now and and next Tuesday. Um, but I thank you both very much for coming on. Jono, pleasure as always. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Dan. And Dan, enjoy your day. Yep. Good luck for the week. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, guys. <laughs>